Kristen, I am so excited to be chatting with you today. The feeling is beyond mutual, Brooke. Really, truly. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. And to start us off, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell our listeners a bit about the work that you do? Sure. Thank you. Um, my name is Tristan Katz. My pronouns are they, them. Um, I uh, do a few different things. Um I provide mentorship one-on-one and in groups um, around marketing for yoga and wellness professionals through a a justice and equity lens. Um, I'm currently calling that justice-focused marketing. Um, And then I also teach uh, workshops and trainings on uh, basically trans inclusion, for lack of a better phrase. Um, It's really rooted in like intersectional anti-oppression work. Um, And I do that also mainly for yoga and wellness professionals, though I'm 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 exploring other other avenues and audiences, um, and I've you know been working with some educators and school administrators, and that feels really rich too. But um, yeah, I do other things as well. You know, I have a podcast um, with my friend Lauren Roberts, who I know has been on the show before, um, and uh, I write articles and hopefully hopefully a book in the coming months. And um, but really, my work is focused in the in the justice focused marketing and the trans inclusion um, offerings that I do. So now everybody knows exactly why you're here. Yes. Because you're blending two things that, and I'm going to get into that in a second, but you're just like the absolute perfect person for me to be talking to on the show. Mm, mm-hmm. um, would you tell us a bit about your story and like how you wound up doing the work that you do? Mm. Um, before I dive in, I'll say I was telling Brooke before we hit the record button um, that I'm exhausted. And so the minute you ask me that question, so much like tenderness comes up. Um, Mm. like, oh, I'm going to cry, uh, which is really interesting. I don't normally feel that when I think about my story. Um, I got into studying, I'll start like at the beginning, beginning, but I'll keep it short. I got into studying, um, social movements in Latin America when I was in high school studying Spanish language. And I was really fired up about, um, activism and what was happening in other countries specifically because I had bought into the false belief that the United States was the land of the free, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so I started studying Latin America and the politics um, and history and the dictatorships and human rights violations and started to unpack the ways in which the United States was such an integral component in all of those um, atrocities and abuses and and horrible things that were happening um, south of, of this border in the United States. And um, I spent a year living in Chile, and I thought that I was going to be a journalist. Um, and then I thought I was going to go into working with human rights nonprofits. And I was just like really passionate in getting involved in making change. Um, and I was always into writing. I had been writing since I was a kid. Um, And so I thought that journalism was my way in. But I, sometime after college, you know, lost my spark um, and frankly got into a really abusive, you know, romantic partnership for almost a decade um, that kind of had me uh, brainwashed into doubting myself and losing my center and and my passion and what I cared about. 
Um, somewhere along the way, I went back to school. I got a master's degree. Again, like everything was like Latin America and human rights. Like I was just like way into those stories and the language. And um, yeah, <laughs> anyways, um, at some point, my father, uh, who is um, a really well-known carpenter, um, uh, and an educator in the carpentry and construction industry, he was starting his own business um, basically around the time that I was in high school. And uh, when I started feeling lost professionally and and financially, let's be real, he was like, hey, you know, you can manage stuff. You can do admin work. Want to come be my admin person? And I was like, sure. You know, I had no interest in carpentry, um, never wanted to hang out with him in the, in the shop when he was working. Like, it just wasn't my jam. Um, but I thought, you know, cool, I could work from home, make my own hours, make some money, um, have some flexibility. And so I started working for him and quickly um, ended up becoming his, like, general manager and then eventually, like, C- like COO, basically. Um, and I worked for him for somewhere between 10 and 15 years managing his business as he grew this like this enterprise of educational events in the construction industry. And he was traveling around the country doing like 25 or more events a year, teaching people in person at Lumberyards um, on best practices in the trade and new tools and new techniques. And I was like handling the marketing and handling the websites and handling like the back end with sponsors and continuing education with the attendees. I was handling like every single facet of the business so that he could just show up and teach. And I developed a real knack for it. Like it came easy to me. Um, And at some point we started talking about his eventual retirement. And I was like, damn, you know, um, I'm going to have to go get a job job. Uh, this is going to suck. You know, I'm going to have to go to an office and be indoors with no windows. Like I had all this negative like thought cycle around it. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to end up working in a nonprofit where I don't make any money. And I was just really scared um, and and feeling lost again. And at the time I had already done like several yoga teacher trainings and I had tried being a yoga teacher, but it just wasn't my thing. Um, I was immersing myself more and more in yoga spaces that were exploring social justice as a part of the practice and teachings of yoga. And so my foot was in that world and I reached out to my community on Facebook and I said, hey, if anybody needs any support with like event coordination for yoga retreats or website design, you know, I really want to work with teachers who are passionate about activism and social justice and change. Um, And a few folks reached out in Portland, which is where I'm based, um, Portland, Oregon. And, and it just started me down this path of taking all the skills that I had amassed managing my father's business and growing that business with him and then bringing it into a, you know, an, an industry or, for lack of a better word, um, that I was really passionate about and engaged in and, and cared about. And somewhere along the way, I discovered Michelle Cassandra Johnson's book, Skill in Action, Radicalizing Your Yoga Practice to Create a Just World. And she, I'm going to start crying. She, her book blew my mind um, and highlighted and spoke to things that I kind of knew was happening but didn't have the language for and had experienced firsthand um, as a queer person but didn't have the language for. 
Um, and, and I was starting to really understand my identities, my, my whiteness, my queerness. Um, I was starting to question my gender. Um, and Michelle's work just like, just, it just lit me up. And she came to Portland to teach a weekend workshop. And I went right up to her, handed my handed her my business card. And I was like, I want to work with you. I know you need support. She had just put out a thing on social that was like, I, I need people to help me with my emails, she said. I was like, I will help you with your emails. <laughs> like, I will, I will do it all. Um, and we started working together. And it was through our working relationship that my work kind of took on a whole new um, layer uh, where I was like really working intimately with someone who was immersed in injustice um, work and and specifically anti-racism work and um, and through her through our working relationship which became a friendship you know um, she kind of gave me a little bit of a nudge like hey do you want to teach? Um, some queer inclusion work for a program that I'm putting together. And I, I said, yes, I would love to. And and that is like the beginning of where I ended up today um, and how I ended up doing this work. It was, it was really through learning with her. I mean, I just dove all into like studying with her over the course of several years and her understanding her frameworks and the way she holds space um, and, and what she brings in as a, as a facilitator really informed how I could step into that work as well. Um, and, and it also like really shifted my understanding of what it might mean to teach yoga professionals how to market themselves. Like suddenly I was clicking like, oh, we can't talk about marketing without talking about our identities and privilege and proximity to power and oppression and harm and accountability. And so the more I immersed myself in understanding my privilege um, and the ways in which I'm marginalized, um, the more I was able to bring that language um, and like embodied practice into marketing conversations. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the, the kind of short long of it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. There's so many things in there that I didn't even know. <laughs> and it's a really beautiful story. Thank you. Um, I think that those are the stories that we really need to hear more of because yeah. <clears throat> I think that like for me as somebody who always wanted to work for myself and was always listening to stories from people of like, how did you start working for yourself? How did you build a business? Things being sort of um, either like edited after the fact to sound very linear yeah. um, or just pe like I just kept hearing stories from people who were guided by like a desire to make money, which not that I don't want to make money, like trust me, I do. Um, that's a big goal for me, but more than anything, like the, the money, I hit a wall very quickly when it feels like it's only for that. And that's actually one of the things that when I was in business school, like I remember just being told over and over and over again, like basically in every way that it could be said, like, you're never going to make it if you don't care more about the money side of things. And okay. then to hear stories from people who are like, oh, I was just guided by this. I was guided by like my values and then things unfolded in this way. And then I took what I had and I just figured out the next sort of, I just kept taking the steps and didn't even know where it was going to lead. Yes. Like I remember signing up for a year long leadership training with Michelle and one of her co-facilitators, and I was—I said to her at the time, I was like, I don't know why I'm signing up for this. Like, 
I like, I'm not quite sure where this is going to take me. I just know I need to be in this training with you. And it was like by the end of that year, I was like, oh, it's because I'm going to hold space and facilitate anti-oppression work. Like I had no idea this is where it was going. Um, but yeah, it was very much like following the next thing, following what lights me up, paying attention to what I wanted to be talking about and learning. Like I feel like learning is what has fueled me, you know, and what still fuels me. Like it, it when I show up for workshops and trainings as a student, that immediately informs like what I do next in my work um, and what the next thing is that's going to like be uncovered or or created or birthed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which means that you're always allowing yourself to start on something that you didn't really, that maybe in some ways you're almost like new to. Yeah. Which is, takes so much fucking bravery. And is something that I watch people hold themselves back from all the time because the expectation is like, I should know, I should know, I should have everything figured out before I try to go down this path. And I think that what your story models and what you're saying is you're always going to be learning and that's going to point you in the right direction. And you need to just keep following that. You need to keep going wherever that thread is leading as you're pulling the thread. You need to keep following it, even if it feels like you're stepping into new territory every time. Absolutely. I mean, I'm talking a lot right now in, in, in personal conversations about like fear of things that, you know, seem scary and the, the, the inclination to run away or to like turn towards the fear and just like dive fuck in and like, and, and not, in a way of like pushing the fear down, disconnecting from it, avoiding numbing, but like knowing that I can, I can face it, you know, um, and that this is what growth might look like. And that if for some reason I discover like something's not working or doesn't feel right, I can pivot at any freaking time. Like that is to me one of the gifts of, of working for myself is, is I get to say like, I don't want to do X, Y, and Z anymore. Right. And like Mm -hmm. you and I have, you know, full transparency. I work with Brooke one-on-one and have for maybe a year now. And like, you know, Brooke has really, you've helped me move forward um, and let go of things that are actually holding me back in my work in a way that I don't know that I, like I needed someone to say like, hey, you don't need to be an admin person anymore. Like Mm -hmm. you don't need to just like be behind the scenes designing websites anymore. Like you get to step into the role of educator and facilitator and teacher. And like, it's still, even when I say those words out of my mouth, I immediately have to contend with like self-doubt and imposter stuff. Like it just immediately comes up. Um, but how can I notice that it's there and not let that shut me down or holding me back? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so fucking hard. It is. Honestly, it's probably like part of the reason why you're tired, <laughs> you know, because when you're yeah. moving through your life like that intentionally, it's really exhausting. You know, like our minds, our brains, our bodies have built these like efficiencies around just like do things the way you've always done them. And the moment that you start challenging that and really thinking through the way that you're acting it's like it's like literally like calories that you weren't burning before yeah you know like brain like mental energy it's so exhausting yeah it is um so one of the reasons why I mean like you know one of the main reasons why I need to have you come on and have a one-on-one conversation with me um is I think that you are one of the most just clear examples that I have of somebody who is 
saying we don't have to choose one or the other. And mm-hmm. I think that you even say in the beginning of the podcast of All the Fuck In, like we don't have to choose between our values and being a successful entrepreneur, which is central to transcend your dichotomy and central to like, but you're an example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even doing marketing work, but doing mm-hmm. it through this very specific lens. Um, I guess like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, great. Um, I mean, I was definitely taught to not share, to not be outspoken if I was going to be successful as an entrepreneur. Um, and this was, you know, I, I love my father. He will probably never listen to this conversation if he ever does. Hi, dad. Um, uh, but he, you know, white, like cis, middle class, you know, heterosexual man, you know, all the, all the privileges of that, um, though, you know, it's not a black and white situation. He's, he, he has hardships, et cetera. Um, uh, but he was very clear with me that like, well, you can't do that. You can't say that in public. You know what I mean? Um, like lots of like, well, don't tell people you're queer. Don't tell people we're Jewish, you know, and and that was coming in lots of different directions, not just from my father. It was coming from both sides of my parents, um, you know, co- mainstream culture, dominant culture, um, you know, lots of um, like on some level internalized depression, right? Um, and because it really did feel like it was queerness and Jewishness that I could not talk about publicly in my head. This was the belief that I had. Um, and and I also internalized the belief that because I'm a short person who is assigned female at birth and socialized as a woman, um, that I had to play a particular kind of game in order to get people to respect me. Um, and there was even like thinking in my head that like if people saw how short I was, they would immediately lose um, regard for me. Like there's so much garbage in my brain. Um, So when I started growing my business, I mean, I literally remember saying to an early client, like, um, I don't want to do this task and upset anybody in the community, like whatever the task was. Like we were playing with some language for something and I wanted to to keep the peace and be a people pleaser and I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Um, And I think that was the last time that I can recall um, not speaking up about something that mattered to me. Um, So when I first started my business, I went to an LGBTQ networking event here in Portland, Oregon, and there were several panelists um, on a stage talking about entrepreneurship as queer people. And I remember one of them was like, don't fucking hide your queerness. Like, don't be quiet about it. and like there was an acknowledgement that like we're not all safe to be out um, as queer people, as trans people. Um, and they were it was a very explicit to me call to like not not keep it not keep ourselves small. And I left that event like, wow, like it really planted a seed in my head in which I felt like, and plus, you know, coupled with the work I was doing, studying with Michelle and being in anti-racism spaces and social justice spaces, it was like I was coming out all the freaking time when I was naming my identities. Um, and I just kept thinking, like, how can I, you know, work with yoga teachers who are, in theory, holding space for healing and not say, like, 
look at the ways we're causing harm if we don't talk about how identity is playing a role in these spaces that we're in. Um, like I was experiencing harm in those yoga spaces, even though I was experiencing some degree of healing too. Like people were making assumptions about me and my sexual orientation and my gender and you know, and it was a very like cis heteronormative culture um, that I was immersed in. And anyways, I think that the the more I started to uncover who I am, particularly from a gender standpoint, the more I felt like I had to speak up. Um, I couldn't be quiet. Uh, you know, I couldn't separate my experience as a queer person from the work that I'm doing. Um, I couldn't I couldn't just work with yoga teachers who were like not having these conversations um, about whiteness, about privilege. Um, and I didn't want to be perpetuating any of the toxicity in the yoga and wellness community that is just like fucking rampant. Um, and I think that the more I started speaking out and leaning into that vulnerability and then coming into community with people who were also doing the same, the more I started to realize, like, I don't have to keep myself small and play some bullshit game in order to make a living. Um, in fact, if I want to make meaningful change, I have to use my, my, my platform, for lack of a better word, to speak out and share parts of my story if I feel comfortable doing so. And I, and I do have to use my platform to interrupt, you know, patterns of harm. Um, so, yeah, I just think that, um, you know, community is a big piece of it. Like, I've, I don't want to be like, I've lost a lot of friends in this process, but like my social circle has, has changed a lot, particularly in COVID, right? Um, and part of that is because I've become really vocal about, about transgender liberation um, and my experience. And um, not everybody wants to be a part of that conversation. Uh, not everybody even sees that we need to keep having it. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean to like, I, I feel like I've been going through this kind of phase probably over the past like year or so of my life of realizing like, oh, when I am just like fully myself, it means that some people are not gonna like it. Yeah. And okay. Like that's, that's such a big part of my own growth is like being like, sometimes you're going to piss people off. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh, people, cause I think that sometimes people will say that like, oh, something that seems like a big deal to you in your head, when you say it out loud, people probably won't actually think it's a big deal sometimes. And sometimes they do think it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes you do piss people off. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes you call people on things that when they realize what they just said, it makes them really embarrassed and yep. upset. And you kind of need to be okay with like letting them handle their own shit in the way that you're handling your own shit and learning more about the, you know, like yourself and the way that you're showing up and the way that you want to show up and all of that. And it's like, uh, 
It's just, I feel like when you're doing it in your business, when you're doing it with marketing and you're then doing that, but then you're also linking it to your livelihood. Yeah. It's just accelerates that growth and learning like it and it make it accelerates it. And it also just makes it so much more intense because it's so much easier to be like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if I do this? You know? Yeah. I mean, I always have to tell people that I'm working with and then, you know, tell myself too, like, we're not going to be for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's got to be okay. And like the whole people pleasing thing and winning people over thing, like I have to constantly check that in myself. And, And I have to do that like all the time when I'm moving through the world. And I've been using they, them pronouns now for two full years. And learning to advocate for my pronouns and yeah. know like learning to 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 know that I can that I deserve this that that I get to ask for what I need when it comes to how I'm referred to like holy crap you know yeah. like so if I'm learning to do that in personal relationships and like then learning to do it with clients which is a whole nother like power structure dynamic thing and you know again like I don't want to lose the money. I don't want to lose the gig, whatever. But like, I can't shut up anymore. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and this comes up all the time, personally and professionally. I'm constantly having to battle this like, well, do I interrupt them right now because they misgendered me? Mm -hmm. Um, Or do I just stay quiet because, you know, I might not ever see this person again or I don't actually know if we're going to work together or you know, I like, are they going to make it about them? And, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like, and am, am I going to then make it about them too? Because that's what I was conditioned to do. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so this whole like garbage game, um, and I, I'm not trying to say that it's garbage because it's not, it's really important. Um, but it's garbage because it's, it's exhausting to have to deal with it all the time. Right. Um, and it, is constantly asking me to like use my voice, speak my truth, own my needs, you know, um, be unapologetic, um, name when something doesn't feel right. Like no more of this, like keeping myself small, being quiet um, just to make people happy and make them like me. Like I can't do that anymore actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And how can I take like my gender experience and my transness and then translate that to like, interrupting harm as a white person when I hear it amongst other white people, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And like all the other things like disability justice, et cetera, et cetera. Like how am I in that messy, uncomfortable process? Um, Mm -hmm. It's like I constantly have to show up for it personally and professionally at the intersections of various identities, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I just have to, I just want to acknowledge too, like for you and also for anybody else who's listening, it's like the conversation around not keeping yourself small is a conversation that happens in many spaces. And I think that it's also like, it is exhausting to move through that process. And I think that it's also like, we need to acknowledge that for some people, that's going to be 10 times more fucking exhausting, you know, because for some people, like that is a daily fucking thing, you know, it's not something like, it's not, you know, my definition or my example of not keeping myself small looks a lot different Mm -hmm. than somebody who's questioning their gender or somebody who maybe a person of color who knows that like they're going to be perceived differently when they show up in a very authoritative kind of way, that sort of thing. Right. So it's like it, 
we need to, when we're having these conversations, acknowledge that because I, I know that from my own coaching experience, people will come to, whether it's like the first time that I talk to somebody or, you know, talking about if we're a good fit for each other, I hear so much shame sometimes mm-hmm. from people who are saying, well, the, this coach told me I needed to just let go of this part of myself, or I just needed to get over this thing, or I just needed to stop keeping myself small. And it's like, it's easy for us to say that yeah. as coaches, <laughs> And also, what the fuck does that mean for different yeah. types of people? And yeah. is that part of the conversation? Yeah. You know? Um, so I just want to acknowledge that. And I also, I also want to tie something back to something that you said earlier, which was like, you didn't know why you signed up for that training mm. with Michelle. And I was just having a conversation with a client this week who was saying, all the clients that I've gotten so far have said that it's just been an intuitive hit. They didn't even know why they wanted to work with me. It was just an intuitive hit. And I was like, okay, so maybe that's not consistent enough that you want to rely on it, but also like make fucking space for that because I've worked with most of the people that I've worked with. It has just been an intuitive. I don't know why I want to work with you, but I know that you're the person and the people, you would not have had that hit to go up to Michelle and give her your card if she wasn't fucking talking, like letting her voice be heard and saying her fucking piece. And so who are the people that we want to find us? Like to me, I'm like the people who show up off an intuitive knowing are always the exact person that I need to work with. Those are always the people who I'm like, these are exactly the people that I want in my spaces. And no one's going to come walk up to me on an intuitive hit or up to you on an intuitive hit if we're not honoring our own sort of path and really showing up really true to like what we want to fucking create in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I always say when I'm teaching the marketing stuff, like we have to tell people what we're doing. We have to tell them more than once. We have to tell them in different ways. But like the other side of that is we also have to show people who we are and what we care about because that's where the connection point and where the intuition might come into play, right? And if I'm keeping myself small and not talking about my work um, or you know, not talking about things that I'm celebrating in my work or accomplishing in my work. Like, how are people going to know that I'm out there doing what I'm doing? How are people going to know what lights me up or or what I'm growing or or what I'm challenged by? Like, the more I lean into that, like, vulnerable process, which is uncomfortable and scary, um, you know, and and also like something I have to have boundaries around, like what do I share? What do I not share? What is relevant for my community? What is not relevant? What's relevant in my work to, for these people who I don't know on the internet to read about, like that is a freaking messy process. Um, Mm -hmm. but to me, you know, the the, the basic like teaching behind marketing is like relationship and connection building. And Mm -hmm. we can't do that if we're being untrue to ourselves or if we're being quiet, if we're being, um, compartmentalized. Um, yeah. Or if we're keeping ourselves small. Yeah. 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 Um, something that you've talked about recently on your podcast is needing to learn to slow down and it being a lot more comfortable for you to be in your work than it is for you to like slow down and just kind of be with yourself. Um, what's that been like for you, Tristan? (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) I'm like, I could go on and on about this. Um, (laughs) In so many different ways, too. Like this comes up in so many different ways. And the first thing that comes to mind is I was I was facilitating um, I teach a group mentorship program around marketing and justice, and um, I was teaching a like trans one hundred and one session one night, and for the group because I I could tell that some folks in the space needed it, and mm-hmm. 
it's partly for my own self-care too. Like I want people to have some sense of my experience and I want them to refer to me correctly. That's really yeah. what it comes down to. Um, and other people too, obviously, like I'm not just doing it for myself. Um, but, uh, I got really, I sped up towards the end of the session and I was talking quicker. My body was like getting hot. Um, I think I was angry or, you know, maybe borderline activated or triggered um, by something that was going on or maybe something that I was saying. And one of the people in the cohort unmuted and said, can we all slow down and breathe together? And I was like, well, fuck. (laughs) 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 I was like, thank you. Um, you know, this is one of the examples in which I, you know, we're, we're co-creating something, right? It's yeah. not just me holding it. It's we're all holding it. And when this person asked us to slow down and breathe together, I was reminded that this is one of my greatest challenges in the work that I do, not just when it comes to showing up and holding space and teaching or facilitating a workshop or training, but also in terms of how I relate to my work. Like, mm-hmm. I listen to you talk so much on this podcast. Let's let's be real. I listen to almost every episode. Um, but I listen to you talk about like, and you just did it recently. You were talking about the zone of genius and how like we can't find or connect to our zone of genius if we're like not carving out space to do the things that lead us there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe it's a dog walk. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's reading a book, whatever it is. And all I could think was, I haven't worked out in months. Mm -hmm. I haven't had an hour-long yoga practice, anything longer than 15 to 20 minutes in months. I'm not showing up for myself. Like Mm -hmm. I'm letting work and my calendar and all my to-do items dictate how much I am able to care for myself. So, and this is something that we've, I feel like we've been working on together one-on-one for like a freaking year. It's like, I'm in charge. This is my business. This is my schedule. I have agency, but I keep over committing. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is scarcity mindset and like the fear that like everything's going to fall apart any day now. You know, how am I going to keep this working? Um, and, and, and part of it is because I love what I do, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it feels like it's so much fun that it's hard to do it less, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a really nice distraction sometimes. And, and that's the other thing. It's like, yeah. so, you know, uh, I've been going through like a pretty serious grieving process for the last many, many months. And it's so much easier to be in my email inbox. And this is what I was saying, you know, with Lauren on the podcast. It's so much easier to be in my email inbox. I know how to get the emails done. I know how to get my work done. I know how to create the slide deck. I know how to like organize the Google Drive, like whatever the hell it is, you know? I don't really know, and this isn't a full statement, I don't really know how to be with my grief. That's Mm -hmm. not entirely true. I've done it before. Mm -hmm. I've grieved before. I've gone through loss before, not like this, but like, but it's, it's so much, quote, easier to just like, get up and I sit for meditation every morning and I pull cards and I take the dog for a walk. So it's not like I'm getting up and immediately rushing to my desk, but I'm not saying like I could get to my desk by 10 and it would be fine. Like I'm not giving myself the buffer, Mm -hmm. um, that extra buffer that I probably really need because 
I, I mean, honestly, let's be real. I'm struggling with anxiety probably all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, if I get to my desk at 10, I'm behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't want to work until six o'clock at night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to take the dog for an hour long walk in the middle of the day. So, and there are days where I like take off and go for a hike in the afternoon. And, but, you know, this is just a constant struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's easier to do the stuff that I know I'm good at than to do the stuff that's uncomfortable. And I'm probably also avoiding like being in my body mm-hmm. um, because of what's there and what I'm going to have to face and be uncomfortable with because of grief and anger and all the human experiences. Whereas like if I just get to my desk and start working, like I can get shit done and that feels great, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, you've also like, I just have to say, like, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you've done a tremendous amount of work around this and actually have in many ways gotten like really made a lot of progress. And, and this is a, this is another like nuance that I wish I heard more when we were talking about like coaching and Mm -hmm. like from, or from coaches or just talking about like, you know, whatever. It's like, sometimes it's fucking unbearable to be in your body. Yeah. And like, that's real. Yeah. And so like, we need to acknowledge that, you know, and give ourselves a fucking break. Like this is where like, I think that the kind of self-care conversation can actually turn into like beating yourself up Mm. because it's like, give yourself a break for the fact that sometimes it's really difficult to take care of yourself when you're in that place. Yeah. Um, Because sometimes it is actually really fucking hard to be present for like very real reasons, you know? And so like, just like we have to give ourselves a break for like, I don't know, not performing perfectly and not like, you know, delivering exactly the way that we want or not doing enough. It's like, we also need to give ourselves a break sometimes. I think like people like you and me, we need to learn how to give ourselves a break for sometimes doing too much. Yes. So much harder to forgive myself for yep. than it is to, you know, yep. at this point in my life anyway. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. Um switching gears slightly. Yeah, go for it. You were just on the cover of Yoga Journal. I know. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, can we can we talk about it? Oh my gosh, please. That was my last, my my last question was just, you were on the cover of Yoga Journal. <laughs> I love it. That's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is a really complex experience and I have yet to be able to name all of the complexities um, like publicly. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I was actually hoping, I was like, maybe with Brooke, I'll be able to name it all. Um, or maybe I'll do it with Lauren on the podcast. Maybe I'll do both. Um I kept thinking I was going to write an article about it, but I don't have the capacity to fucking write an article about it. <laughs> Good for you for not Thank doing you. it then. Um, okay. First of all, it is an honor uh, to be on the cover of, you know, the leading yoga magazine in the country, possibly the world. It's it's an it's honor. so fucking cool. It is very cool. <laughs> um, and it was part of um, – a, a list, a feature of 15 people who are considered game changers in yoga right now. And it, it, it really is. It's, it, it's, it's an honor. Um, and it, it was a huge celebratory moment. So 
I just, can I just say something really quick? Yes. Okay. So I was just following this desire to just like create change and contribute to change and like make change. And now you just landed on the cover of a national magazine with the words game changer. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to thank you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I thought, you know, and Brooke knows this, I thought that I was going to be supporting Game Changers. I thought I'd be the, like, hidden person behind the scenes um, getting shit done for the people who were making the change. Um, so for me to be featured um, as a Game Changer is, like, pretty wild and and really prompts me to continue flipping some narratives that I have grown attached to, right, um, about who I am and what my, my value is in the world um, or what I'm meant to be doing. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a big deal. Um, and also, you know, um, God, where to begin? Uh, I'm the only trans person, um, in the list. I'm the only person who uses they, them pronouns. Um, you, you know, they put pronouns next to everybody with their features. And I thought, would they have done that if I wasn't part of this feature? They Did they just do that for me? If I'm the only one, there's a there's an element in which I feel like I'm slightly being used for my identity. Um, there are other amazing trans yoga teachers and professionals doing incredible work. I know them. I'm in relationship with a lot of them. Um, some of them have been doing their work a hell of a lot longer than I have. Um, and that's the next thing that comes up is like, Michelle is a part of that feature. Michelle's been doing her work for decades. I have been doing this work in its current iteration for like three or four years. What right do I have to be featured along game changers who've been in this work for decades, right? Like that's one of the things that comes up in my head. Um you know, I should have I should have declined when they invited me or or you know, um, emailed me about it. Like I, I should have said there are other people doing this work and have been doing it for longer. Or I should have said, you know, are you featuring Black Indigenous people of color? Are you featuring South Asian yoga teachers and yoga professionals? Because, you know, newsflash yoga originated not in this country. How are we honoring where it really comes from and who's actually carrying the lineage of this teaching, these teachings? And they included one South Asian teacher. So like that feels problematic to me, you know, and this is coming from a magazine that has caused some real harm to folks of color in, in the past. Um, and, and they have not, you know, done their due diligence to platform and honor the, the lineage of yoga. Um, they have, they have succeeded and made money off of um, the white, cis, het, able-bodied, thin-bodied commodification of, of these, you know, beautiful spiritual teachings. Um, so how am I then, like, partaking and benefiting from that um, problematic, harmful, racist, white supremacist system, right, by being on this cover of this magazine? Um, I didn't get paid, um, from what I understand, nobody else did, you know, uh, and there was a moment where I was like, should I ask for 
payment or is this just good exposure? Like, where's the line in that conversation, right? Like, I don't expect to be paid for going on podcasts, but when someone's using my identity and my work and my story to represent culture shift in an organization, which is kind of what I feel like this issue is on some level, or represent the intention of culture shift, let's say, you know, there's never been a trans person on the cover of the magazine. Um, There's never been a white trans person. There's never been a trans person of color on the magazine. There has never been a trans person on the cover of this magazine. Um, Trans people do practice and teach yoga. So the fact that I'm and it's not, it's, it's like me with 14 other people and it's all illustrations of us, you know, like they, they didn't want to do a photo shoot because the Delta variant was like really present when they started this process. Um, but, you know, I'm the first trans person on the cover of this magazine and, and it's just, it's complex, right? Um, when are we going to see another trans person on the cover of the magazine? Um, and I hope it's someone who's been doing this work a hell of a lot longer than, than I have, you know? So, like, part of this is self-doubt and feeling like I don't deserve it. Um, part of this is, like, potentially some actual harm, right, that I'm experiencing. Um, part of this is me being sensitive to harm on behalf of others. Um, part of this is feeling like I didn't do my due diligence as a white person with other privileges to, like, advocate and interrupt some of what was going on in this process. Um so, like, it's complex, right? Um, I also didn't know it was going to be on the cover, Brooke. Like, I knew I was being featured as one of 15 Game Changers. Nobody ever said the words cover. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. Like, I learned from another colleague who is on the cover in a few issues that it was going to be a cover article. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I didn't know it was going to be a cover article. And they never ran the illustration by me. You know, so I didn't, I got approval of the copy, but not the illustration that they did of me. And the illustration itself, I find really uncomfortable because it brings up gender dysphoria for me. Mm. But like, they weren't going to know that because they're not, (laughs) sorry, Yoga Journal, you're not in relationship. You're not in meaningful relationship with trans people. So you don't know how to be sensitive to what we might be experiencing, right? Mm. Um, So like, there's just, there's so many different layers. Um. And so many different voices in my head that are like, you don't deserve this. Other people deserve this more than you. You've only been doing your work for, you know, less than five years in this way. Like, you know, you've only been trans, like known yourself to be trans for like a couple years. And now here you're being, you know, presented as like the trans game changer in the yoga community. It's like, it's just really complex and messy. Um, Yeah. And... I can't wait to put the thing on my wall in a frame, you know? Like, it's like a real both and experience and practice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I hope that you are recognizing, like, the incredible – like, I hope that you're giving yourself some credit for the discernment that is present in this. Because – uh, go on. <laughs> Tell what me what you're saying. I mean, you're you're. It's really, really challenging to do what you're doing right now, which is to sort of parse out the complexity of what's going on in your experience with this, and to be able to hold all of that at one time. Not many people can do that. It's much more common to 
have a feeling or a reaction to something and sort of just know what you're feeling Mm -hmm. and not actually be able to see the complexity of where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that the fact that you are speaking to all of these complexities and you're saying like yoga journal, like kind of needs to be held accountable to these things. And also I'm really fucking excited to put this on my wall is like, Holy shit. I mean, like, that's the kind of thing that so many of us need to learn how to do. I think that when you're able to, because it's, because it's not you, you're not brushing over all of the other things that are, uh, that are a part of this. When you say, I can't wait to put this on my wall. It's not just, oh, I was on the cover. So look at me. Yay. And therefore nothing else matters. That's not it. And being able to hold a bunch of things at one time and let them all be true is like, I mean, that's, that's the shit that blows your mind open. You know what I mean? That like creates these kind of learnings of like real deep learning about the realities of of situations and is really difficult to do. Yeah. Thank you for naming that. Um, I know that you're right. (laughs) Uh-huh. It's much easier to be hard on myself yeah. um, and say like, oh, Tristan, you fucked up because mm-hmm. you didn't ask the right questions when they yeah. contacted you, you know? Yeah. Um, you didn't say, is anybody getting paid for this? You didn't say, are South Asian teachers going to be featured? You didn't say, are, you know, are other folks of color going to be featured? Um, mm-hmm. You didn't say, you know, on and on and on and on and on. Am I the only trans yeah. person? Um you know, uh, like the the voices. Well, you really messed up, mm-hmm. um, and you weren't in integrity. That's the word that comes up really prominently mm-hmm. too. And I have to give myself some grace and gentleness when they reached out to me. Um, my best friend from childhood had literally just died unexpectedly. Yeah, and this was the first interview meeting situation that I had after literally burying her in the ground. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the capacity to be like, but what about? I didn't have the capacity to say, am I the only one? I didn't have the capacity to to advocate or interrupt or, you know, practice accountability. All I could do was say yes, when, right? Thank you. Yes, when. Um. And so I'm, I'm, and there's a part of me that's like, well, Tristan, you better get better at like doing the things even when you're not resourced enough to do them. And that's garbage, right? Like, yes, I do have a responsibility as a white person who is not just like in the practices of social justice, but teaching about social justice. Like, I do have a responsibility to do all the things that I'm regretting I didn't do well enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also a human being who, you know, isn't always capable of seeing things or acting on what I'm seeing in the moment because of all the complexities of being a full human being. Um, So yeah, it's just this really, like, I feel a little like a ping pong ball, you know, like being just bounced around, like, this is great. This is messed up. Um, This is exciting. You didn't do good. You know, you messed up. Um, and, and that's part of why I feel like, oh, I, I owe it to myself to write about it and to speak mm. about it 
And then I think, oh, you're just doing that because you don't want people to think that you're a dick, right? Um, like you just want to write about it and speak about it so that people understand that like you see the complexities. But um, I don't want to just write about it and speak about it for performance sake. I, I want to do it because I want to have this conversation, right? Yeah. Um, but it's also really uncomfortable and really terrifying because it means on some level I'm risking losing power in this dynamic, right? right. Um, and this is one of the like most salient moments in which I'm like, oh, this is what it feels like to potentially lose power as a white person. Like if I write an article about this experience and name Yoga Journal and call them out, like as I'm basically doing in this conversation, are they going to want to publish an article that I write in the future? What is the relationship with that magazine going to be like? Do I want to be in a relationship with a magazine that like doesn't want to publish my article because I'm talking about these complexities. Right. Like there's so many different things going on and I'm, I'm just, yeah. And I can see myself easily just being like, well, now that's done. People are going to forget about it. Let's just put it in a box and close the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but the pull is there cause that would be a hell of a lot easier. Right. Yeah. And I, from knowing you, I'm pretty confident that you're not going to pick easy. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. Yeah. I think that you are, I think that first of all, this is what it sounds like. This is just like another phase of learning. Yeah. Both about yourself and also just about the way that you want to show up and your work. And, um, and I think that you're going to wait until you're like resourced enough to do it. And then it's going to happen. I mean, from knowing you, I'm pretty confident that it's going to happen. And like having this conversation with you is a step in that process. Like maybe it's not an article. Maybe it doesn't have to be written, you know, Um, but I need to be saying something because it's still weighing on me and it is a big learning experience for me, Um, you know, and the other flip side of all of these both ands is like sometimes I, this feels terrible to say, but I, I kind of said it to you in, in a DM conversation when the magazine came out. It also feels like a middle finger to the people who doubted me in my life, right? Like, yeah. it feels like a, look, y'all, I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, you know, m- my a- abusive relationships, you know, with, with romantic partners, with parents, like people who have doubted me, people who've put me down, people who've made me feel small, people who've said I was lost or, you know, wasting time managing my father's business or not using my skills or not using my degrees, you know, all of the garbage. It's like, this is, um, on some level, you know, a sign to me that, um, I am, I'm, I'm not what all those garbage messages, you know, tell me I am. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And to me, like from what's coming through to my mind right now is it's almost like you're kind of like carving a pathway that other people didn't see was possible. Yeah. You know, in conversations about, oh, well, you just have to stay quiet and you shouldn't be political and you can't let people see these parts of yourself. And it's like, oh, really? Because- I'm pretty confident that if you had tried to compartmentalize all those parts of yourself, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I completely agree. Right? Yeah. What did, did we you get talk a copy about? yet? What'd you say? No, no, I have been to I, literally. I texted 
all of my friends in New Orleans. And I was like, everyone, when you're out running errands, you need to be looking for this magazine because I need it. Like buy it. I will, I will pay you back with interest after. Like I just need this magazine and I still have not found it. Can I please send you a copy? I mean, I would love for you to, but I also am like, who else needs one though that's closer oh, to you, Tristan? But I've you got know? like five left, I think, and I've oh already sent out like 10 copies to people all over the country because apparently finding hard copies of magazines has become a hard thing. <laughs> like what the hell? And there was a, I went to Whole Foods and there was a yoga journal there, but it was like the, the older one. issue. Yeah. And so yeah. then I went back a week later and I was like, oh, they've probably switched them over. Right. And then I could have pined. I was like, I've asked everybody in Whole Foods, like, um, I know they carry <laughs> yoga journal. Do you have the newest issue yet? And they're probably like, oh, is that the girl that comes in every week looking for yoga journal? <laughs> People are probably like, where do you do yoga? And I'm like, oh, I don't do yoga. I haven't done yoga in like five years, but I need that issue of yoga journal you don't understand. Is there a way that you can special order, please? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Uh, you. Tristan, what did we not talk about that you wish you had maybe had a chance to say or that people need to hear from you? Um, I don't. Oh, I feel pretty satiated. Um, And I'm a a pretty wordy, rambly person. So I I don't want to start rambling down a direction just because I feel like I need to to, to, like say something like I feel I think I feel satiated. Yeah, thank you. How can people find you? And where like what should people know about that you have coming up? Cool. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. Uh, Not everybody finds that to be an easy platform to navigate. But I in general, enjoy it. Um, so I'm active on Instagram. I offer a lot of free education on Instagram. You um, really do. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it's good marketing and it's also like a passion of mine to just like put it out there. Um, so there's that. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Brooke will do the whole link in the show notes thing, but it's sure it's Tristan Katz Creative and that's um, K-A-T-Z is how my last name is spelled. Um, and... Let's see. Um, my website is cats-creative.com. Um, again, K-A-T-Z. And like some of the things I've got coming up, um, which are a lot, and I'm trying really hard to like, do you have to put that on the calendar? Um, but you know, I, I also can't stop myself sometimes. Uh, I'm going to teach um, a, a two-hour workshop on creating safer spaces, trans inclusion, and yoga and wellness in January. Um, I'm going to teach an equity statements workshop, um, which is intended for yoga and wellness professionals, but really it's open to anyone who's trying to figure out what equity statements are and why we might consider creating them and putting them in on our website and in our branding. Um, I'm doing that work with my partner, Christopher Hirsch, and we'll putting out, um, a workshop series at some point in 2020 in the first part of the year. Um, and what else? I'm also working on like some sort of immersion series for for trans inclusion um, Mm. where we can like go deeper over several days. Um, Mm. I'm not quite sure what that looks like yet, but it's coming. Um, And then I have uh, currently what I believe to be twice yearly group mentorship program um, called Yoga, Social Justice and Marketing, um, where we talk about all the things I kind of referenced at the beginning of our conversation together um, over the course of six months, um, like just so much gratitude to you because I don't think I would have put that together had it not been for watching you and your work and then working with you one-on-one. Like you Mm -hmm. helped me see that to life. Um, And it is 
one of the more rewarding things I've done in the last few mm. years is holding that space. So thank you. Well, um, having the opportunity to do that is like such an honor for me. So thank you. Thank you. It's like a love fest over here. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, Tristan and Lauren also have a Patreon for their um, podcast. So anyone wants to come and join me as a patron over there. Come you are our first there. patron. And there I didn't am. even know Lauren messaged me this week and was like, did you see that, Brooke? And I was like, no way. Like, thank you. Truly. Sure thank you for your support, Brooke. Um, yeah, the podcast is really fun. Lauren and I are having some really great conversations there. And we just realized we needed we needed to have some financial support um, yeah. to keep it going. And we wanted to offer, you know, some bonus video content and bonus content in general. So um, yeah. the Patreon is now up and running and we'll be linking to that in yeah. things soon. Yeah. Thank Amazing. you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tristan. This is fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Brooke. <laughs>